0: What's shaking and baking, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we have Carrie Hansen joining us. She is the VP of Marketing at Spiro. You can check them out at spiro.ai. Uh, this is a great conversation. We get into talking about how to use data to help inform your decisions, what you should be looking at, how it can be helpful, really, and how it can help you as a, if you're on a smaller marketing team. I love this. I love going back and forth talking about, you know, how and when we should use data. So I think you'll enjoy this. Especially if you're getting into, you know, a role that demands that, where you have a lot of numbers flying at you and you gotta figure out, hey, what's useful? What should we use? What shouldn't we? But before we get into that, the show is brought to you by us here at CAVE. So everybody, if you're listening to this, whether it's your first episode, your fifth or your 50th or your 150th, we put on the show here. We're a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow through brand storytelling. What the hell does that mean? Basically, we help with your entire social strategy and content execution. So we have full video production capabilities and we can go create all the content for you, put it out there. So if your brand needs some help, head over to cavesocial.com. We'd love to help you out. All right. Now let's sit back and enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is the VP of Marketing at Spiro.ai. That is Carrie Hansen. Carrie, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Jordan. Thanks for having me.
0: I am excited to have you on Get Into All Things Marketing. Specifically today, I think we're going to do a deep dive into data. But before we do that, I want to pass the mic to you and let you set the table for the listener. Who are you? Where did you come from? And how did you find your way into this crazy world of marketing?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I actually went to a business school out in Boston. I'm originally from a small town in Montana. I frankly thought I was going to go into computer science but the marketing classes were a lot more fun. And so I sort of stumbled into it. I started my career at a uh, communications agency. So I did PR and branding. And then after about 10 years, I went to ZoomInfo. I actually rebranded them as a business information search engine just as they were rolling out Bizo, which was eventually acquired by LinkedIn. And then I went to a small security startup based in Texas called SailPoint. I was hire number 30. I originally started with their branding and then I slowly took on customer marketing and more and more of the team eventually became the VP of marketing and then the VP of corporate marketing as we IPO'd 10 years later at uh, 1.2 billion, which was pretty exciting to sort of build that brand. And then about two years ago, I went back into the startup world and joined Spiro. So um, I think I'm a, a startup girl at heart.
0: I love it. And it's cool to go through and see the entire growth cycles and stages going in with the company. And then obviously, you know, hitting what is largely the goal for a lot of people in that IPO day. Very, very cool. So now you're at Spiro. Before we jump in, what does Spiro do? Let's give us that 30 second elevator pitch. I think that'll help as we get into the conversation.
1: Sure. So Spiro is a sales platform. We consolidate CRM capabilities with sales enablement and analytics, uh, and we're driven by AI. So we sell into the supply chain, manufacturing and customers like that. And our goal is really to take a very, frankly, mind numbing, boring technology that everybody hates and make it useful to them.
0: Yeah, I love the call to action on your site is kill CRM. I definitely want to click that. So that, <laughs> that I like. Now we're going to get into a data conversation and I'm interested on actually that to start with. Did you have a different call to action before, like learn more and then you know run some tests to be like, what's well, getting clicked more and kill CRM comes out as like the absolute winner? Or was that just somebody who was like, no, nah, we're making a bold, we're going to take a bold swing here and do some uh, humorous copy?
1: Well, we've always liked humor. We actually had several other CTAs. When they hired me two years ago, it was really about creating a category because that's what I did at Sellpoint. And then, you know, we built that category significantly. So when I came in, we talked about it. And we decided we wanted to kill the CRM category. So we thought we would do a little tongue in cheek and uh, not to age myself. But if anybody remembers when a small CRM company called Salesforce launched probably 20 plus years ago, they had a, a similar image with software because it was sort of, you know, no software was their big mantra. And so we took a little tongue in cheek with the no CRM because everybody associates that image with uh, you know, the big 500 pound gorilla. And we have a lot of fun with it. And frankly, salespeople hate CRM. So it is a, I thought it would be a fun campaign and it has been hugely successful and we've just embraced it as our mission and people love it.
0: I love it, I absolutely love it. Now let's jump in a little bit. I wanna talk data with you, really as you get into a startup, right? And let's frame this, that you're a company, let's say under 500 employees, And we're trying to use data, right? We're trying to use data to grow and make sure that we're identifying the right prospects or that we're doing things from a marketing perspective, you know, that are quote unquote working. I guess how do you philosophically look at the data for your marketing channels or not philosophically even just analytically like when you look at your channels how are you looking at data and then taking out valuable insights particularly when it relates to pipeline assisted conversions I'm interested to see kind of how that world yeah how you think about that world with regards to conversions and assisted conversions
1: Sure well so I think my view over you know 20 plus year marketing career is that I came from the the branding side, which is much more around the storytelling and the visual. But I've always believed that marketing is art influenced by data. So whether you are doing branding, you're doing PR, you're out there with your website, you always want the data to tell you what's working. And especially at a startup, you know, you, you have a lot of finite resources from a budget from people from the things that you can try and so data becomes incredibly important because you want to do things that work the fastest and take the least amount of work because you know when you have a team of 1 2 or 3 people and you have a very small budget you just don't have the luxury of throwing a lot of that out there and i think especially on the demand gen side you know data comes at us in many ways. You know, we look at the number of MQLs that come in, the number of leads before the MQLs, SALs, the SQLs, the, the pipeline generated. And so I think this is where there's numbers And data that sort of flow and you can sort of game the system however you want. But I prefer to take the approach of let's look at what the data is telling us and let's make sure that we're changing what we're doing so that we're moving the needle. So, you know, to me, I don't care if I'm blowing out my MQL number. I care if I'm feeding a pipeline that's turning into customers and how quickly are they becoming customers. And so I think if you sort of change that mindset, you know, this is also where some companies have marketing and sales are sort of coopetition, if you will. And I think at Spiro, we take a very collaborative marketing and sales works together because my biggest number is how many deals do they close? Because I'm the one that's sending them the leads. And so, you know, if that means it's fewer numbers at the top of the funnel, but the quality is there, I think that's really good. And I think this is where data gives you the confidence that a lot of marketers don't have.
0: And I'm with you. But one thing I would ask, I'm curious to think about, like, what typically, I mean, there's obviously a lot of data, but the time horizon in which you would look at data to say something is working or something is not. And I'll give you an example. I do one podcast, get 20 downloads, if I looked at the data, this is not working. You know, two pad podcasts not working. Ten not working. Fifty, okay, it's a wild success, right? And I knew when we started the show, I'm like, I'm going to commit to do 100 episodes because I knew that that was kind of my gut saying, like, to make it to be have a proper data set or to have something that I could make a decision off. That was going to be my not time horizon, but just output amount that I would have to hit. Do you have similar things when you're looking at like? content marketing or, you know, maybe a video strategy, particularly with startups who are pressed for resources. Like I see sometimes that startups, they jump around and they're changing course every three minutes based on data and not actually letting things play out. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on time horizon when it comes to marketing channels for something like, you know, content marketing. And how do we take some of those initial efforts and then attach that proper time horizon?
1: Yeah. Well, so I think it's a double-edged sword where, Or two sides of the coin, I guess would be a more positive analogy. But I think first of all, you have to think about your audience and your purpose. And so if you're doing a video and you're doing a podcast, that's for branding. And so I think if you're looking at branding, the data is very different. And that's where, you know, I've always believed in even at small startups, you can benchmark. So if you're doing, you know, a video podcast you know you're not going to get a lead the first one. If you do, that's gravy, but your goal is branding. And so what are you looking to do? Well, you might be looking to get your name out there. You might be looking to get people to your website. And then you need to find a similar company who had similar budgets, could be a competitor, it might not be a competitor, who has done that and sort of look at what worked for them. And that gives you a benchmark. Doesn't mean you need to beat them. Doesn't mean that being less than them is something bad, but it gives you a benchmark to sort of see where you're flowing. And I think over time, you know, on a branding, you have to commit. I've always believed you have to put at least three months in before a branding campaign goes off. On the flip side, when you're actually paying money for leads, you know, you have to look at, it can be simple things of, if you have three different ad visuals or three different CTAs on your website, you can immediately see which one is getting the clicks. But you don't want to react right away because the challenge is, are they getting the clicks because the CTA, the call to action is better or is it on a better page or are they coming from a better page? And so this is where you have to look at data, not just that one point. So data is sort of everything correlated together. And when we look at our website, you know, we can look at where is, you know, you sort of start at the bottom of where are the most conversions happening? Where are those people coming from? And then you sort of figure out what's the problem. And so if everybody's going to a certain page, then you start testing the wording or the color of the button and you know what's going to get them when they're there. If they're coming to that page, you look at, well, where are they coming from? So we know, for example, we put customers on our website, it never converts. So let's, someone goes to our customer page, let's send them to our product page and then send them to our pricing page, which converts. And so you have to look at the data as a whole not a data point. And I think that's where people really, they get hung up in the weeds. And I also think to your point on timing, you know, even when you're paying, you have to put some money in and some time in. If we buy, two years ago, we started buying ads in the morning room. We were cool before it was cool. And so, you know, my view was, You know, just in general, all of my experience, it takes about five touch points before somebody is going to do something. They might need to read about you. They might see an ad. They might see you on LinkedIn, but it takes about five times. And so we did these very expensive ad buys, but I told my team going in, I told the executive team going in, we have to commit to at least three of them so that my entire marketing campaigns between that and everything else we're doing can sort of build it because we're a startup. The first time they see us, they might be like, that's interesting. The second time they see us, there might be the tire kickers of like, what is this Kill CRM? The third time they see us, somebody who is really relevant will start coming in and then you start analyzing it and and it can grow over time. And I'll give you a really good comparison of why branding should take longer than a lead gen campaign, but they still need time. And that's LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is very successful for us in terms of branding and in terms of lead gen. And so I have two different campaigns going. One is specific lead gen. It goes to our ideal customers. It's an ad, frankly, that sponsored post says, you know, are you getting sick and tired of CRM? We can help you. They fill it out. They get they fill out the form it goes straight to our our BDR team we also have a branding campaign that that pushes out more of the content marketing you know how do you move forward how do you modernize your sales platform how do you get your team to want to pay attention to what's going on how can a marketer use this this technology that drives people to our website and the branding it takes a couple months for it to build so you have to give it you know two or three months and then you start seeing over time the website traffic it spikes initially cuz no one has seen it and then you realize some of them realize that's not really relevant And then it sort of dips a little bit, but then it maintains. And then you can start seeing how well it's doing. And then importantly, you start seeing what's coming in from your website. Is it driving the right traffic? Because they would convert. On the flip side, you know, I give it about a month for the lead gen side, and I can start seeing the types of leads that come in. And I see, well, that's working really well, but I need another couple of weeks to see are those leads moving down the funnel? And then I can I can look at the fact that maybe it's the wrong titles. I can sort of dial a little bit. And now, you know, we were 18 months into having that Legion campaign. I know it's good. So now I can I can turn on a dime. If I start seeing a bunch of prospects getting rejected by the BDRs, if they're like, this, these are useless, I can go and I'll make a change quickly because I have enough data. I have enough um, sources that I can say, you know what, this isn't going to work. We're going to dial it down a little bit.
0: I love that. And for those listening, whenever you're going to do something, let's do exactly what Carrie said here. And I like to break things into what's my leading, like leading, just literally leading, lagging metrics. And what's a leading or an output that's going to be leading or a change or an ad campaign or a set of content. And then what's my predicted leg, right? Either based on like studies that I can find or our own internal data, or I'm just going to like, hey, I think the leg's going to be six months, right? For let's say SEO or something or a A social ad campaign. Maybe it's, hey, we think from first touch point to purchase is going to be like 45 days based on whatever holidays coming up. Like, okay, cool. So then that way we can go back and kind of correlate with our best guess, you know, with the the data to be like, what was lead, what was leg? And then I love that you brought up there too is we get so obsessed as marketers and with pipeline, pipeline, leads, leads, because a lot of times it's the metric that's like the metric of success. But you know what the CEO CEO cares about is sales. How many make it to the end? How many are at the finish line? And I think that we can lose sight of that sometimes. So I love that you brought that up on like how many prospects are getting over the goal line and where do we have a bottleneck, a breakpoint Is it from the ad creative? Is it the the landing page? Is it the BDR team is slow to respond? Is it whatever the factor is, right? And like going and analyzing that. But then once you have those benchmarks, like you know, you said you can pivot, you can look, you can analyze now because you've been running this for some time on LinkedIn that you can go and be like, if things start not working, you're like, wait, okay, where did we break, right? Are we still getting the same click through? Okay, we are, Like All of those things still happen, but the leads aren't good. Okay, is our targeting off? Like you can just kind of go point. Point by point, and then make a more a holistic view, I guess, of kind of like the the output. So I love that you brought those up. Now, for our listeners who are in the B two B space, are you you all are seeing a great success on LinkedIn? Are you doing any other channels? Just out of curiosity,
1: we're seeing great success on LinkedIn. We are definitely doing other channels. I think that, frankly, the the biggest frustration for me, marketing wise, I mean, there are a lot of others in this pandemic, is. You know, trade shows were canceled. Webinars, everyone has Zoom fatigue. There's just all of the options of a marketer have collapsed. And although we weren't doing trade shows, other companies who had million dollar budgets on trade shows suddenly took that money and put it online. And so towards the end of last year, you know, it was really challenging on LinkedIn because you bid. these and it's just like you know on on google you bid for ads you have these really big companies that can come in and money's not a factor and so you know like the last two weeks of december we just we just turned it off because there was no way we could compete with these companies you know the challenge that we also had was we used to do the morning brew we used to do the hustle when the hustle was bought the morning brew was acquired the ad space has gotten much more expensive But we used to be able to get last minute buys of, you know, an advertiser fell through. If you could turn this around in two days, we'll give you 30% off. But so many of these bigger companies with, you know, they just have the teams and the resources and there's nowhere else for them to go. It's really challenging for us. And so that's why we do do some, you know, we obviously do SEO, we do branding, we do some ad purchases in key newsletters. But LinkedIn has been the most consistent for us. And we've actually gotten really good at Seeing in real time, if the leads slow down or they speed up, if they speed up, we'll up our budget and I'll get most of my MQLs expected from the campaign in the first week of the month. I don't care. I'll just, I'll triple the budget. And once my budget's done, I'll sort of dial it down because I can see it so quickly that I know, hey, this is working, let's do more. Hmm, Haven't seen a lead coming through for a while. Maybe we slow it down for a little bit. We can sort of pause it. And that's really where we can pay attention to it.
0: I love it. I love that uh, having the keen eye be able to make those changes very, very quickly. Carrie, this has been awesome. Now for anybody who wants to learn more about Spiro or connect with you online, where should they head?
1: You can go to Spiro.ai. Uh, you can find our website. We have a, a really popular blog that especially salespeople love. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm actually the I think I must have been the first Carrie Hansen because I actually have the the LinkedIn backslash Carrie Hansen.
0: Amazing. That's awesome. Head over there. I will put links to both of those in the show notes page as well. So uh, listeners, you can go and, and connect with Carrie Hansen. I'm also the only Jordan Shelton, but if you see how my name's spelt, it, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, <laughs> we got some mystery letters in there. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. A ton of value that was uh, shared with the listener.
1: That's great. Well, it's been a great conversation. I love talking numbers.
0: All righty. That's it, everybody. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I will catch you next time.